Yeah, there it is. How's everybody doing tonight? Ooh, man, it's great to be in the house. So I'll just start, I guess I'll start out like this. Uh, I'll just say that God has been so faithful. I think I said that last Sunday, but God has been extremely faithful. Uh, We had left our house. Well, actually, we were just getting ready to leave our house tonight. And my wife said, I think I need to go upstairs. And I said, oh, no, you're fine. We got to leave. We're going to be late. My wife's the one that's like, we'll be there at 530-ish, but it's late. So I said, no, you're fine, babe. You look great. And she's like, no, I need to go up and change. So she goes upstairs, and lo and behold, in our bathroom, it smelled like smoke. So she goes in there, and there had been a piece of plastic tarp laid over a heater. And it's summertime, so my heater shouldn't be on. And we had discovered that, and so our house isn't on fire. So I'd say God is pretty faithful tonight. So that's kind of where I'm going tonight, Uh, God's faithfulness, but really believing that God is with us wherever we go. So if you would, turn to me to Joshua, the first chapter, in verse 9. Most of us probably already know this, but for you who don't, we'll go through it. So God had just spoken to Joshua. Joshua had just taken the reins from Moses, and God had given him a few commands. He said, have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I guess my question tonight would be, do we wholeheartedly believe that God is with us wherever we go? Do we really solely believe that wherever our feet go, God is with us? See, and if we do, do we really act like it? Do we walk like God is with us? Do we talk like he's with us? I would say... I know on both sides of the ship, I know people that believe that God is with them, but they act a completely different way. They end up on, in church on Sunday mornings, but the night before, we all know where they've been. I know plenty of people like that. And then I know the faithful ones that show up on Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday for the choir, and they're here. But God began to stir this in me. Do you really believe that he's with us? See, Joshua had developed a relationship with God. He knew what God would do for him. So Joshua did not question God. He said, I will be with you wherever you go. And Joshua really believed that. And since Joshua had developed such a relationship with God, you see, when you develop a relationship, you learn things that you should do, and you learn things you shouldn't do. Uh, I promised my wife I wouldn't bring anything up about us tonight, but sorry. Uh, So uh, I'll just use, I guess, a few things that I had found out in my few years of marriage that what I should do and what I should not do. And a a few things I learned that I shouldn't do are things that my wife does not like was if you are chewing loud, be prepared to get smacked. My wife 
absolutely hate when I chew loud. I don't think I'm a loud chewer. I really don't. I, I, I guess I'm wrong because she's always staring at me, giving me the evil eye if I have gum in my mouth. But that's one thing. And another thing, I wish Shane was here because he goes to Cupy all the time, but my mother-in-law does too. So they know what I'm talking about. Uh, I get the Cupy yogurts, okay? And when it starts to melt, you know, you, st- you take the spoon and you start going around the edges and cleaning it all up, you know. And I'm savoring the flavor, but I'm scraping the edges and that sound goes... And I look over and my wife's just staring daggers at my soul. I'm like, what did I do? I'm enjoying my yogurt. And she's like, I'm going to kill you if you don't stop that. <laughs> so those are a few things that I've learned. And there's numerous other funny things that I won't go on about. But Joshua had developed this relationship. He had heard specifically what God had spoken to him. And when God spoke this to him, it ignited such a faith in Joshua. God had begun to speak to him in the beginning of this verse. But right before this, in verse 8, God says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He commanded Joshua to not allow this scripture to depart out of your mouth. And that word meditate, I I looked that up. And you know, when you think of meditate, you think, I'm going to really just dwell on something. I'm going to sit and ponder on it. I'm going to think about it. But when I found out what it meant, it really kind of shocked me. It means to speak. It means to declare, meditate. And he had just said this. Don't let this come out of your mouth, but speak what I have given you. And we all know that faith comes by hearing in hearing by the word. He heard God speak it, but he wanted a continual flow of faith for Joshua to push him in to where he needed to go. So when we hear what God speaks, just like what I heard my wife say to me, that's not what I should do. Maybe this is what I should do. Yes, dear, that's how I end it. Yes, sweetie, that's what I'll do for you. So God spoke to Joshua. And in this faith that Joshua, like I said, had developed with God, it pushed him where he needed to go. And in doing so, Joshua could fulfill everything that God wanted him to do. And so, he didn't allow anybody else to mess with him. He didn't allow people, what other people spoke to him, to move him. He knew what God had said, and he stood on it. And every time he would go back, God is with me whithersoever I go. It didn't matter the battles that he was in. God was with him. He had a confidence and a boldness when he walked in it. And that's what the church needs to get to. I said it before. We need to stop being a cruise ship and become a battleship. We need to walk in the divine authority and in the power that we have, that God has given us. But do we really believe it? Do we really 
walk in it? Do we really talk like it? Do we really act like it? I know Christians, when they, I'm not going to like name anybody, but I know people that call themselves one thing. But I know that they're another. I know people like that. I think everybody in this room probably knows somebody like that. So, he had developed this relationship that allowed Joshua to get where he was going. So, I'm going to bring up another point here about David. David, I love to read about David. It's just, it just builds something in me. David, when he arrived on the battlefield, it had said in this, uh, it's 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, 10 on down. David arrives on the battlefield where Goliath has been. Saul and every army in all the Israelites heard what Goliath had said. And it had instilled fear in them. They heard what he said, and it instilled fear in them. But the thing that got me was David showed up, and it didn't faze him. David showed up. It only took the one to knock the giant down. It didn't take the entire army. It took the one. David had developed a relationship with God. He wasn't just out in the, in the uh, fields tending the flock. Yeah, that was something that he was doing, but God was preparing him for what was to come. And when he went out on that battlefield, he knew with the relationship that he had built with God that nothing was going to stop him. He said, he delivered me out of the paw of the lion. And he delivered me out of the paw of the bear. And he's going to deliver me out of the hands of this Philistine. Everybody else did not care. Everybody else allowed something that they saw. They allowed something that they heard to completely derail what God had. But guess what? It only took the one. It only took the one. It took David saying, I don't care what you think you are. He didn't care how big the giant was. He didn't care how big the bear was. He knew what he had and he knew what was rightfully his. He knew that that giant was coming down. And there's people tonight that are facing giants that seem almost impossible. It seems almost unbearable. We've all been there before. I have I've seen many of them myself, my wife included. For years she went through things. People that I know in the church, years they've spent financial trouble, relationship trouble. But they know what's rightfully theirs. They know because they have developed a relationship with God. They know that I don't care if I'm walking through this storm. I know that God is with me. We see it throughout the scriptures. We see it. Uh, Joseph was another example. It didn't matter where Joseph went. God was with him. He was with him in the prison. He didn't even do anything wrong. It wasn't rightfully 
so for him to be there. But guess what? He was. And he didn't say anything about it. Didn't say anything about it. He knew who God was and that he would bring him out. And then he became, we all know, the second most powerful man in Egypt. Second to Pharaoh. So, so continually think on that. That do I really walk, do I really act like God is with me? So, another place I'd like to go, Matthew, ooh, the 14th chapter, 22 on down. That is, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. And I think everybody knows this. Oh, I'm sorry, I have 14 chapter, I'm at 27 chapter. Oops. Okay, so this is where Jesus had sent the disciples out. He had sent the disciples out in the ship, and he had stayed back. So as he stayed back, a storm came, and it had started to shipwreck these men. So we have these men on board, but then they see something in the distance. And they all cry out, it's a spirit or it's a phantom. They, they saw something. But then Jesus spoke to them and said, it is me. And then Peter, we know Peter, the only one bold enough that got off that ship. But he listened to what Jesus said. Jesus said, come. And he came. And he knew that he was going to get there. But then the storm began to rage. And Peter had begun to vary off course. He took his eyes off Jesus just for a second. And he began to sink. He began to sink. But Jesus didn't abandon him. No, Jesus was right there and came up to him and said, I'm right here. Take my hand. In the midst of a storm, he was right there with him. So the disciples had spent time with Jesus. They knew about him. They had seen the miracles. They had seen everything that he had done. He had he lep, laid hands on the lepers. Blind eyes come open. Deaf ears come open. The cripple walk. Thousands of miracles these men saw. They had faith. But they took their eyes. He took his eyes off Jesus for a moment. So it's, I'm pushing this topic. Whatever happens... I'm sorry, my mouth is extremely dry right now. But <clears throat> I'm really pushing. Do you wholeheartedly believe that God is with you? Just like Peter, Jesus walked with him. David said it 
perfectly. He said, if I ascend to heaven, you are with me. And then he goes on and says, if I make my bed in hell, you are with me. He didn't care about anything else. He had known God from when he was a child and had seen everything that God had done for him and knew it didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter how high the mountain was. It didn't matter how big the giant was. It didn't matter how big the bear was. He knew God would deliver him. So I want you to think back on the times that God had brought you out of where you've been. I just for, just for a moment, think back. I remember I preached one time in Lima, and I had come out of just a horrible lifestyle, and I had moved ahead. And I remember I stood there, and God spoke to me. He said, look how far you've come. Oh, thank you, baby. Sorry, guys. Yeah, he said, look how far you've come. It took me back about all the times that God had delivered me. I had been to a place where I thought God did not want me anymore. It's being real with you. I went to a place that I don't ever wish anybody would go. I thought, this is verse one, Courtney. I don't ever cry much. Probably the first time she's, she's ever seen me cry. But I went to a place that I thought that God did not want me anymore. What a horrible lie that is. But I allowed what I had done. I allowed the circumstances in my life to define me and not God. But now I realize that it's not my past that defines me. It's my God that defines me. I'd allowed these things to move me, to shake me. And it was a horrible place to be. I would never wish that on anybody. Peter allowed the things to shake him. He allowed the thing, that one thing, that one moment to move him. David had his moments, but he knew who God was. I knew who God was, but I had allowed those circumstances to move me. You see, it's so important that we understand that God is walking with us every place that we go. You're being hunted. You know that. You got a target on your back. You know, I thought... I got asked to preach. Oh, praise God, I get to preach. Hallelujah, my AC unit goes out. I'm like, man, what in the world is this? And then I had a whole other thing, a bunch of things happen. I had to pay insurance 
on a car that's not mine because of some other stupid thing. But guess what? I got a call back from the insurance company and they said, hey, it's actually going to save you money because we've got a two-part uh, multi-card discount, so you're actually saving posse on the whole thing. I'm like, you take that, Dev, I'll show you something else. No, it's actually God saying, yeah, I did that for you. No, but you're being hunted. You know that. I'm a hunter. I think most people who know me understand that that's who I am. I love to hunt. My wife will never do it, but hey, you know, that's what it is. I love to hunt. It's something that's in me. I understand the concept of hunting. And it's not just we go out and, you know, sit up in a corner of the woods and whatever, and Bambi might show up and, you know, yeah, uh, Elmer Fudd here. No. <clears throat> we strategically set up for what we're hunting. The devil's not stupid. The pastor said it best a while ago. He said, you know, we watch out for the snares of the enemy. Where does he put the snares? On the path that you take. As a hunter myself, and my brother knows this and every other hunter, we, I like to hunt waterfowl. It's a, it's a big thing. I love to do it. So, one thing we do, I'll just give you a list of things. The first thing we do is we go out and scout. I'm going to find out where these things are at. I'm going to figure it out. It might take me a day, a couple days, but I'm going to find them. The next thing I do is I listen to the way that they speak. And then I'm going to mimic it. And then the third thing we do is we go get them. See, we make a, right before that, though, we make a game plan, and then we go get them. You think the devil isn't watching you? You think he's not hunting you? Watching where you go? The things you do? Listening to the way that you speak? The way you talk? The way you act? And he's going to try to get you when you're least expecting it because you become comfortable. But when I know that God's with me, you see? See, I read, you know, 1 Peter 5, 8. Everybody knows this one. <clears throat> Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, roameth about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may. Not everybody. It's who he may Devour. I want to ask you a question. And I asked my family this question before. But I want to ask this question and you think on it. What does a lion do when it roars? Just think on it for a second. Everybody I asked had the same answer. And most of y'all probably do too. It instills fear into its prey. They're the apex predators for a reason. Everything around knows what it is. They know what it sounds like. But then when I was reading that, God began to, he began to show me something. He began to show me, he said, you know, a lion, yeah, it instills fear in its prey. prey. He said, you know what else it does to the hunter? It gives away its position. It gives 
away his position. So if you're a hunter and not a prey, and you're a lion to another lion, he gives away his position. Lions roar because of what's theirs. This is my area. This is where I roam. They walk it every day, miles and miles and miles. But when you become a lion, when you become the hunter, when you understand that God is with you, when you realize that it's not a lion that I'm hearing, but just a mere kitty cat, something, something begins to, to, to change in you. Your mindset begins to change. The way you speak begins to change. The way you walk begins to change. The way you act begins to change. Because you know that no matter what's out there, God is with you. So, we're probably going to get out of here just a fuzz early tonight. So, I really just, God had put this on my heart due uh, last Sunday. I'd written several messages before that. I had, uh, you know, anybody who's ever written a message, oh, is this the right thing, God? Is this where I need to be? No, yes, check mark. No, move it over. See my wife over there sitting down. I had pages full of stuff. But I had written that, and then God spoke that to me. And that's where I needed to be. I don't know if you're here today and you walked that same path I walked. I don't. But I know that God made, allowed me and wanted me to preach this for a reason. It may be one, maybe five, I don't care. Now I'm going to ask you in just a few moments, lit, if this was you, I want to pray with you tonight. I want to give you an opportunity just to sit and think. I know it pierced people tonight. I know this, not everybody, but I know people got it. That they've walked that and understood that, man, I, I've been there. I've hated myself before. And it's a horrible place to be. To think that you've gone so far that God would not be with you. But let me tell you, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Believe what God had said about you. That he loves you. That he cares about you. That he's walking with you. He sent his son specifically for you. Whether you believe it or not. He specifically sent him for you. And he will never, never fail you. I can personally attest at all the, year, the years that I've been saved that God, he's never failed me. Even when I 
had failed him. See, I preached my first message a long time ago here. I thought I had failed God because I thought I was a screw-up. I mean, I walked up there and I thought, man, I don't ever want to do this again. This, this was horrible. It was to myself. My family's like, oh, yeah, you did a great job. I'm like, you a bunch of liars. But, but really, I'd beat myself up over it. We all have a past, but that's where it belongs. That's exactly where it belongs. Don't allow the things that seem immovable, unshakable, because your past is concrete. Yeah, but last time I checked, that blood washed it all away. So I want, if there's anybody here that had dealt with that or is dealing with that, I don't care if it's self-hatred. I don't care if it's, I just can't get over something. You can't forgive yourself. Or if it's what I just had spoke, that you just don't think that God is walking with you. I just, I'd like everybody just to stand up. And if that's you, I want to pray with you tonight. So if you would, I'd like you to just get out of your aisle and come down here. And I'm going to believe with you that God is going to show up and touch you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 